Thank you, Brother Jeff. Wonderful time of worship. Thank you, uh, Grace. That was beautiful. Uh, we are in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, it would be wonderful to turn with us. Acts chapter 9. We'll look at verses uh, 32 through 35. And let me just say again, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here today to worship the Lord and all of our online participants and worshipers. We do welcome you. We greet you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and delighted, delighted to have you engage with us in worship. What a blessing to see another Bennett get baptized. Hallelujah. It was so sweet. Love this family. And we praise the Lord for what God is doing. My name is Danny Forshee. I'm the pastor here at Great Hills and love, love our church and love what God is doing in our midst during these crazy days of social distancing, face mask, and extended, Brother Terry told me, our mayor has extended whatever it is, he's extended until I think 2028, I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through it, right? We're gonna get through it. I've got a great passage of scripture here. It's so, it's so incredible that I almost stopped at verse 33 uh, but I thought, no, I got to continue on through 35. And so we're going to read the Word of God together. We're going to continue on in our study in the book of Acts. Uh, the title of the series is Church on the Move. Whenever you read the book of Acts, man, there is alacrity, there is movement, there's the Holy Spirit of God. He is working so conspicuously in the lives of that embryonic, brand new thing or entity called the church about which Jesus said he will build this rock upon the church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. And then we're introduced by the first-rate historian, the good doctor, medical doctor Luke, and he begins to detail and to chronicle the work of the Holy Spirit. Some people say the book of Acts should not be called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's what we see. We see him moving and working and you know, I just have been sensing in my spirit throughout this day and especially the days leading up to Sunday that, you know, the same power that was so operative in the life of Christ and the early church. And by the way, I'm just going to prepare you. I'm about to read to you something incredibly supernatural. There's going to be a manifestation of the Spirit's power and a physical, tangible healing from God through Peter to a man named Ananias, okay? And when you read this in just a moment, I want you to be praying with me, oh God, would you do it again? Lord, would you still raise up the dead? Would you still heal broken lives and marriages and bodies and finances? And, and I just sense in my spirit, that's what God desires. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us, Paul says in Romans 8. So here we go. We're going to read this passage of Scripture, and I've got six pages of notes. Now, anybody that knows me, if I make it to five, it's going to be a long sermon. So anyhow, here we go. Let, let's just see how the Lord leads us. I hope that you are as excited as I am about this, just being here today. So it says, now it came to pass. as an interlude. There's a time that has passed. You with me? Now, Peter went through all parts of the country. That would be the Judean country. That he also came down to the saints. Now, I want you to watch this, okay? To the saints. Now, whenever the Bible talks about saints, is it referring to the unconverted, the lost, or is it referring to the Christians and the saved? Well, we know the answer to that. It's to Christians. 
And my question to you as I read the word of God to you is, how were there saints in Lydda in only a few years time frame since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? Remember the title of our series is Church on the Move. The church of Jesus Christ is expanding, it's burgeoning, it is blossoming from Jerusalem, watch this, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so now Peter goes down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a man, a certain man by the name of Aeneas. He had been bedridden eight years, say it with me church, eight years, ready? Eight years, and he was uh, paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus the Christ heals you. Mm. Jesus the Christ heals you. Now arise, and these are imperative verbs in the Greek New Testament, arise and make your bed. <laughs> and he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda, now we're going to go to the plain of Sharon or Sharon, to the plain of Sharon, they saw him, antecedent for him would be who? Would be Aeneas, and many turned. Now that Greek word there, turned, is epistrepho. In other places in the Bible, it's translated converted. Are you with me? So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon, they saw this this man who was paralyzed, now he's raised up and they turned to the Lord. So today we're just going to engage in this text. Keep in mind, and it's been a few weeks since we have looked at the book of Acts. Whenever you interpret the book of Acts, keep these thoughts in mind. The early church was ministering in a milieu, in a time frame known as Great Awakening. This is, a, this is the first great awakening and the aftermath, the, ri the ripple effect, the ramifications of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. He's ascended into heaven, watch this. The Holy Spirit has come down and man, things have changed. People are being raised from the dead. Lives are being healed. The church is expanding and exploding and you're like, wow, I wish we would see that today and so do I. But the same power of God has not been diminished at all. I think God's just waiting and looking for a people, for a church, churches, big C church, to believe on him like they did so that God can do what only God can do. I'm gonna say this probably again, but God always does God's part. He just won't do our part. <laughs> you ever notice that? He doesn't do the praying for us. He doesn't do the interceding for us as far as what he's asking us to do. He doesn't have us, he, he wants us to do the going and the seeing and the speaking and the touching and the helping and the ministering and all these things he wants us to do so that God can then do what only God can do. So we were here this week at a two-day um, conference with our Christ Together Greater Austin. We met here in our church for two days right out there in the Great Hall. And uh, it was so fun as we just heard about the, the many ministries that are happening in this great Austin area. So I found out something new and I got to share it with you. The fastest growing city in America is Leander, Texas. <laughs> can, you, can you believe that? Leander, Texas is the fastest growing city. 
Now, that, that speaks a lot for Austin because the greater Austin area is over 2 million and it's not slowing down at all. And so we're watching God just bring churches together, birth up new churches, and we're seeing him just do these wonderful ministries. And one of them is called uh, Education Connection. And this is where the church goes out into the public schools and they read to third graders. You say, well, that's not such a big deal, but it is such a big deal because the church, watch this, we're getting out of our four walls and we're getting out into communities and we're loving on people. That's what I see over and over in the book of Acts. It is a church on the move. Peter's out. He's out of Jerusalem and he is speaking and he's touching and he's healing and he's helping and the church of God is flourishing. The first 12 chapters in the book of Acts are going to deal pretty much primarily with the apostle Peter, okay? It's going to detail, kind of chronicle his life. After chapter 12, we'll transition into another guy whose name starts with a P, anybody? That would be Paul, right? We already looked at him in chapter 9, but 13 through 28, it's going to talk about Paul. But both of these guys have this in common. They let no dust settle under their feet. Grass had no time to grow under the soles of their feet because they were moving. They were energized by the Spirit of God. And that's, that's what I so long for, for us and for the churches here in the great city of Austin and all over Texas and all over America and all over the world that we would take the pages of Holy Spirit and say, oh God, you did all of these amazing and mighty things then and Lord, we desire that you do it today. And I really believe I believe as people listen to this message today and if you're here live and in the audience, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you and say to you, I want to use you. I want you to go. I want you to show up. I want you to speak. And then I want you to see me do what only uh, I can do. Okay, look at this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 9, 36. I love this. One of my favorites about the life of Christ. So when Jesus saw the multitudes... He got angry with them and rebuked them and called them a bunch of Gentile heathens, just go to hell. That's, is that what your Bible says? That's not what it says. The Bible says Jesus was moved with what? Say it with me, church. Compassion. Okay, I need y'all to help me out. I need everybody to stand up. Would y'all just stand to your feet? All right, here we go. Would y'all wake that brother up? He's out. He's asleep over here. I'm just kidding. I need you to stand up, all right? All right, I want us to read this passage of Scripture out loud together, all right? Because here's what I'm saying. I, I, really need, I really need the Spirit of God to move upon you, to press upon you. What, that, what was happening in this sacred text, this Bible, is God wants to do it again and again and again. And here's the, here's the deal. God's willing. God desires this. But he, he's, he's chosen in his sovereignty to use us, all right? And so the only way that God is not working and moving in power today is because the church of Jesus Christ, well, we've pretty much fallen asleep. So here we go. Let's read it out loud together on the count of three. In fact, I'll go one, two, three, and then you just start saying, but when he saw. All right, you ready? Everybody good? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with, whoo, for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep 
having no shepherd. Thank you. You may be seated. So I get a video this week. And it's from a, one of our ministry partners at uh, Great Hills Baptist Church, someone we also support, Ashley and I, and Danny Forshee Evangelistic Association. His name's Finney Matthews. We love Finney. He's preached here many times, and Lord willing, we'll do it again. Well, he had a video of a pastor in India who was a Hindu who converted to witchcraft. A Hindu, <laughs> there's a lot of darkness, ain't it? A Hindu who converted to witchcraft and sorcery. And so he is all into black magic, voodooism, you know, he's all into that until somebody shares the gospel with him. And so God saves him out of his Hinduism, which uh, morphed into this witchcraftism and he comes to faith in Christ. God calls him to be a pastor and, and they're interviewing him and he's talking about the people that are being saved in his church. Now, if you read Nick Ripkin, you'll read, you'll read this right here. All over the world, God is saving multitudes of Muslims who are coming to faith in Christ through dreams and visions. And it doesn't matter whether you believe that or not, it's happening, all right? It is just supernatural. God's revealing himself. People are saying, I'm seeing Jesus in this dream, this vision, and they're coming to faith in Christ. But in the Hindu world, it's something real different. It's healing. It's physical healings. So this guy becomes a pastor, and he baptizes like 70-something people. He has his own church, and life is good until radical Hindus show up at his house one day. Well, what happened was this pastor's bull died. Now, when you have an animal like that in other countries, we just think, oh, well, it's just an animal. But for them, it could be a livelihood for them, right? So their bull died. Guess how the bull died? A snake bit the bull. A venomous snake bit the bull. The bull dies, and the radical Hindus come to the pastor's home with machetes, and they say to him, if your God doesn't raise up this bull from the dead, we're going to kill you. How about that? How about living in that part of the world? And so this pastor's like, oh my word. And so I'm gonna to get to praying. So he starts praying, true story, you can't make this up. And he said, Lord God, please protect me. My house is covered with people with machetes. Lord, you've done it in the past. Would you please do a miracle? In Jesus' name I pray, please raise this bull from the dead. And soon as he said, amen, the bull sprang to its feet. No, no, I'm serious. I mean, the bull jumps. <laughs> and the radical Hindus with machetes literally took off running. They're like, oh my word, this God that you serve is truly God. Again, God is willing, God is able, but, but are we, are we willing and able to be that kind of people who steps into the supernatural and says, Lord, you've done it before, God do it again. Now there are four things I wanna share with you today and they're very simple declarative statements, okay? I'll go ahead and give them to you. Go to the people, see the people, speak to the people, and then watch what God does. God always blesses and God always saves. So the first thing I want you to notice is Peter in verse 32, it just simply says, now it came to pass, now that's an interlude of time, that in verse 32, Peter went. Let's just stop right there for just a minute. Peter went. The last time we saw Peter, 
He was with John in Acts chapter 8, verse 25. They were serving in Samaria. God was doing an amazing work. And then in chapter 9, we're introduced to Saul of Tarsus, who becomes the Apostle Paul. And now Luke heads back to Peter. And again, 1 through 12, most of it's going to focus on the work of God through the Apostle Peter. Verse 32 simply says, Peter went. He's not sitting in an ivory tower as the viceroy, the viker, the pope of God. Nope, that's not what he's doing at all. He is ministering, serving. In 1 Peter 5, he says, I myself, he doesn't introduce himself as the pope, he introduces himself as the fellow pastor or elder. And so Luke says, yep, that's our Peter. He goes out and he ministers to the place called Lydda. Now, this is an interesting city. Lydda is also known in the Old Testament as Lod, L-O-D. Today, Lydda is where the Israeli International Airport is located today in Lydda. You say, but wait a minute, I thought that was Tel Aviv. No, it's right outside Tel Aviv, about 10 miles it's this place called Lydda. This same place was very popular in the early church. In fact, the, 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 the leadership council of the church north in Syria, they would come down to Lydda, and that's where they would have their conference. Now, this is a prominent city. We just read it and go, oh, Lydda. Now, where is that? Okay, thank, thank you for asking me. That is such a great question. Where is Lydda? So Jerusalem is here. And Samaria's due north. That's where John and Peter were. Back up now, here's Jerusalem. And if you go west and just a little bit north, that's Jerusalem over there, then you find Lydda. And it's also located in the plain of Sharon, 25 miles from Jerusalem. How did Peter get there? I want to tell you something. He didn't take an air-conditioned bus. He probably rode a donkey or he probably walked. And so he is led by the Spirit of God. He makes his way to Lydda, Sharon, and he meets the saints there. Now, how in the world did saints get in Lydda, 25 miles outside of Jerusalem? I think we ought to ask questions like this, by the way. When we teach and when we preach and when we listen as congregations, we should ask, how did a church erupt there. Well, I think one of two things happened. Number one, Pentecost. Many of the people who were saved at Pentecost, those Jewish believers in Jesus, go back and plant a church. Or it could be Roman, uh, Acts chapter 8. Look at this text. Now Saul was consenting to his death, Stephen, and at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. Now watch what they did. And they scattered they scattered throughout the regions of Judea. That's where we are, by the way, in Judea, in, in the surrounding villages and areas of Jerusalem. And they go to Samaria, except the apostles. At that time, the apostles stayed at Jerusalem. But now, they've been unleashed. And we see Peter and John, and now Paul, and they, as they're just scattered throughout, teaching and preaching. And so, I think about how Peter goes to Lydda, and I think he, he meets this man, Ananias, and I wonder how he meets Ananias. Am I asking too many questions? I don't think so. I think it went something like this. Peter, we're so glad you're here. 
we've all been praying for somebody and we want you to meet him. Hey, let me tell you something. That is a beautiful thing for any pastor, any minister of the gospel, any follower of Christ to hear that somebody's been praying for somebody and then they get the opportunity to go and to minister to them and, and to help them. So the first thing I want you to notice with me is this, that Peter, he went, okay? He's not sitting in some ivory tower. He is, he is energized by the Spirit of God, and he goes. The second thing I want you to notice is this. It's very simple. Not only did he go, but he saw, okay? He saw the people. In verse 33, it just simply says, and Peter uh, found him. Now, Ananias, we don't know much about him, do we? There's a good chance that he's not a Christian, because in Acts 8, uh, 9.36, we're going to be introduced to a lady named Dorcas. Stay with me. And Luke specifically says she was a believer. Luke does not say this about Ananias. All we know is this guy is in a bad way, right? He is bedridden. He is paralyzed. How did he get paralyzed? What do you think? You say, one of them venomous snakes from India bit him, Pastor. That's what happened. No. What, what do y'all think happened? Polio, maybe? Accident? That's what I think it was. I think it was an accident uh, or some other kind of disease. We, we don't know how Ananias got in such a bad way. All we know is that he may have had a stroke. I don't know. Something happened to him. He's in a bad way and he needs help. And here comes Peter uh, to help him. The title of my sermon today is, Lord, Give Me Your Eyes so that we can see people the way God sees people. Can I just be real honest with y'all and just be transparent for you with just a moment? If you, is anybody like me? It's not that you don't love people and you wanna help people, but you get so caught up in your agenda sometimes that you don't see people. Is that, is that fair, is that okay? Okay, that's me. I mean, I, I find myself just locked and loaded in whatever I'm doing, especially, um, you know, just, just going on a mission, a task, an assignment. And some like, sometimes it's almost like the Spirit of God says, slow down. Hello. Look. Look at him. Look at her. Now, you say, well, well Brother Dan, I don't come across people with strokes and polio unless you're, unless you're a nurse or a doctor. But no, you, you come across people who are hurting, they're in a, look, look, if you just ask them, here's what I'm starting to do more at the gym. I'm just asking the guys, how are you doing? Oh, my word. It's amazing what people will tell you if you just ask them how they're doing. And sometimes I'm wish saying, why did, I, why did I ask that question? That's the wrong thought, right? Because slow down, get out of your comfort zone and just see, start seeing people. Well, Brandon Heath wrote this song years ago and it's called, Lord, Give Me Your Eyes. Brandon Heath is a phenomenal singer. How about being asked to sing at Carrie Underwood's wedding? Is that how you say her name? Carrie Underwood, is that her? Wouldn't that be cool to be asked to sing? Well, he was. I mean, she could sing her own wedding or ask anybody, but she asked Brandon Heath to sing. And here's the lyrics of the song, Lord, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes, oh God, so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me, here's my favorite line, Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. 
Lord, give me your eyes so I can see. I want it to be cool this week, and this is where I was going to just stop the sermon, but don't get too excited. I'm, I decided against that, so we're going to keep going. <laughs> is if we just went in the course of this week, and we just stopped and we slowed down enough just to see people that are hurting and see perhaps maybe God could use us uh, to, to help them. I mentioned earlier this education connection. Many of our people are doing this. This thing has exploded. It has grown to great proportions where churches, Christians, are going into public schools of Austin and they're reading. This semester, they can't do it obvious, for obvious reasons. So we're trying to think of creative ways, maybe reading online or reading and taping it, or just trying to do something creative. But as I was listening to the passion, and, and Joe Bland, he is a businessman here in the city of Austin, and his business partners, our own Fred, Fred Upright, both of these men, they're best friends, they love the Lord. And I was, just, I was watching this businessman get so excited. Now watch, watch, watch this, watch this. He lets his employees off of work for 30 minutes so they can go and read to third graders. He said, now tell me again what the big deal is about reading to third graders. Here's the big deal. You learn to read up until third grade, but after that, you read to learn. Did you know that there are states in America that determine the number of penitentiaries in the number of beds in the penitentiaries based on the third grade reading level of kids in public schools. That's a true statement. I mean, I've literally heard educators share that, that statement. So years ago, they said, what can the church in Austin do can make a tangible, real difference in effort? We said, we'll take this on, education connection. So we are. <laughs> he said, he said, those employees, he said, some of those rascals, they're just on Facebook. They're just on Instagram and they're just chilling out, you know, burning time. He goes, but when they go out and they read for 30 minutes, they come back almost giddy. They're just like, whoa, man, that was fun. What did you do? I just read to a bunch of third. Well, hallelujah. I think that's a wonderful, that's a tangible, simple thing that we as people of God can do in our community and help. So first of all, we got to, we got to go, then we got to see them, right? And then we got to speak. Look at verse 34. Oh, give me your eyes. Here it goes. Then Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Let's see what happens. Man, this is fun. Isn't it fascinating? Jesus the Christ heals you. He, he sees him. This is a present middle indicative. Let me give you a good translation. At this moment, Jesus the Christ heals you, yourself, and Aeneas. There's just something incredibly powerful about invoking the name uh, of Jesus. And so what, what I'd like for you to do this week, here's, here's an assignment for you. I'd love for you to, when you go out of this church today, and when you're out in Austin, Texas, or wherever you may, the blossoming, growing, Leander, wherever, look, Gerald, Texas is exploding. Georgetown and Liberty Hill, 
I'm telling you, this place is just exploding with people. Man, we need churches in them cities. We need, we need the church of God to rise up and just wherever that, man, whenever there's a city and it's growing, I think there ought to be a bunch of churches right in the midst of them, loving on them, ministering to them. Here's, here's your assignment this week. Are you ready for it? Yes, Brother Danny, we're ready for it. Please, please tell us what you want us to do. Here's what I want you to do. This week, mention the name of Jesus to somebody. Bank teller. No, no, don't, don't say just God bless you. Here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, Jesus bless you. Y'all all right? All right, you go through the drive-thru. Thank you. Hey, Jesus loves you. So why don't you do this? Why don't you just mention his name? All right, just say, just say his name and see what happens, all right? That's what Peter does. Peter, he's a little bit more bold. He says, Ananias, Jesus the Christ, he heals you. Man, and sure enough, he was healed. Again, I, I'm, I'm convinced that God wants to heal and save and help a whole lot more people. It's just that he's waiting on us to go and to speak and to see. Here it comes in the imperative mood. In the imperative mood, at this moment, I give you the command: make your bed and get up and go. I just eight years. You know, we make our bed. We we get mad because we have to make our bed, right? I mean, we're like, make our bed. Oh my word! What else I got to do today? You know, there's. There's a whole book by a general in the army who his whole focus is make your bed. <laughs> Just make your bed. So at least if you don't get anything else done in the rest of the day, you can at least say, I made my bed. But he, what he's saying is if you get up and make your bed and do something constructive, then it kind of gets your mind thinking along the lines that you're going to have a constructive day. Pretty, pretty interesting. So get up and make your bed, and let's see what God does in verses 34 and 35. You ready? Then he arose immediately so that all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon, they saw him. Are y'all reading the same Bible I am? They saw him and then they in mass turned to the Lord. You know, I just love it when God's people do stuff like this. Um, I mean, they, they put themselves out there. I mean, Peter is putting himself out there he is trusting that Jesus will touch him. Y'all with me online community folks? Hey there. He believes that Jesus is going to touch this man and heal him and, and raise him up. I, again, I love it when I hear stories. Lori Fair shared a story with me last, last week. She was saying about uh, her and her, all of her kids and Jeff, they were praying about a job. And she said, we got so excited about the job and the kids were getting excited. She said, then it dawned on me, oh God, please give me this job because if you don't give me the job, this is gonna be pretty interesting because my kids are all excited about it. Well, guess what? God gave her the job. I can talk louder than the babies. I mean, God gave her the job. And so, but, but you know, when you, you put yourself out there and a lot of times that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid to put ourselves out there because, well, God might say no or God might say wait and we feel like we, we may get embarrassed or people may look at us. Well, forget that. Just put yourself 
out there and share with people and say, do you believe that Jesus Christ can touch you? He can heal you. You say, brother Dan, you can't do that in this this day and age because people are going to think you're crazy and people are going to think, oh, you're one of those. Well, I could give a flip what people thought about me if I felt like God wants me to tell you in Jesus name, he wants to heal you. Why don't we do that? Why don't we say that? I mean, God, God could say, well, bless you for believing, but that's not my will. Well, so what? You don't know unless you try. God always blesses. God always saves. God always does something in his inspiration after we, in our perspiration, do something uh, in his name. So the churches moving forward in the future, they're either going to thrive, survive, or die. And Great Hills is absolutely, unequivocally no exception. In the coming days, we are either going to thrive or just survive, barely get by, or we're going to die. And the churches that are going to thrive, all right, you with me? They have this apostle like Peter kind of mentality where you got to get out of the four walls of the church at Jerusalem. Y'all remember this little church over here in Jerusalem? They're already gone north to Samaria. Now they're going 25 miles uh, northwest here in, north, south, east, yes, northwest here in Lydda. And, and they're speaking, they're going, they're seeing, they're speaking, they're touching, they're helping, they're healing. Look, that's, that's, I'm just telling you, this will be the truth. At the churches of Jesus Christ, that if we will just get outside of ourselves and our comfort zones and we will touch people and speak to people and love on people, mm, and I'm telling you, God will have an affinity with that. And God will bless those churches. If we just get over ourselves, get beyond ourselves, get beyond our four walls and just love on people wherever they are. What's your assignment this week? Well, you ask me, Brother Danny, I'll go through the bank teller and tell them, Jesus bless them. I'm just not going to do that. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do it. Well, you repent, all right? Just repent and go do that. And, and go, through the, go through the line, go wherever you are and just say, hey, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? You say, well, are you going to do it, Brother Danny? No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just, I decided against that kind of stuff. That's too radical. Yes, I'm going to do it. The word translated um, turned in verse 35, do you see it? I mentioned a minute ago, epistrepho. It's the same word used in Acts 3.19. Watch this. Peter's preaching. He says, repent therefore and be epistrepho. That's the same word. Isn't that fascinating? It's not translated turned, but you get the idea. People are turning to the Lord. People are being saved and converted. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I like what John MacArthur writes at this point. God bless John MacArthur. They, um, maybe y'all know in his church there in California, they, they ruled in his favor that the church can, can meet. Praise God. That's grateful, grateful for that. We're still in uh, America so far, you know. We're beginning to, to wonder. Um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me this week, said, I'm going to meet with the president in a couple of weeks. Would you like for me to ask him anything? He said, you did not. He didn't. Nobody told you that. He did. And I said, yes, I would like for you 
to, to ask him something. Well, first of all, tell him I pray for his salvation and I pray for him every single day. You say, what if he's already saved? Praise God. Praise God. He's already saved. That's wonderful. And the question I asked my friend to ask the president has to do with religious liberty. Where are we with religious liberty? We still have freedom. Praise God. We still, look, I think a bunch of us, we ain't going to miss it till it's gone. <laughs> wow, I sure wish I had gone to church when I could because it could be a day. It could be. I'm telling you, people, things could change in a moment. I mean, things could change quickly, but let's, let's pray that it doesn't. Let's pray that God blesses us, God protects us for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the expanding of the gospel all over the world. Here's what John MacArthur said. Salvation is more than a change of mind. Indeed, it is a change of life direction. Conversion is not an about face from one belief and behavior, but it is a change to a complete opposite commitment or direction. Man, you and I are the only Jesus that somebody will see this week. We will be the only Bible that some will ever read. And I'm just praying that as you go, that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can imagine through the power of Christ who is in you, speaking to you, speaking through you. So here's what I want to do. I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You say, it's only 12 o'clock. I know. It's 12. It's 1159. That's just amazing. Y'all are like, are, are you done, brother? Are you, are you done? Yes, I'm done. So let's pray. Let's pray. Here's the prayer I've been so excited about. And the prayer is a prayer of healing. You say, you still believe in that? I do. Can you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Maybe you're online. You're still watching us. I want to pray for some healing, some supernatural manifestation of the power, the presence, the Spirit of God in somebody's life. Would you join me in that? Would you join me in praying for someone that maybe has coronavirus right now? Would you join me in praying for a loved one, an Ananias who is bedridden, who is sick, perhaps someone is sick unto death? I, Great Hills Baptist Church, I, I can't see you right now. My eyes are closed, my hands are raised, but I am beseeching God, I'm asking God to do what only God can do in the supernatural realm, okay? Next, I'm just gonna pray the blessing of God, the favor of God upon your life to be the Jesus' spokesperson, his spokeswoman this week, his spokesman this week. Come on now, church, pray with me. Help me, help me now with this. Pray and be willing to say, Lord, help me speak your name to somebody this week. Help me speak the name of Jesus over somebody, even vocally, audibly. Lord, help me just to not be ashamed and Lord, not worry about the, the ramification or what might happen to me, but God, I would just speak your name, Lord, and be bold like Peter was bold and say, hey, Ananias, Jesus the Christ loves you. How about that? Why don't you do that this week? Some of you are... Man, you're just confused. You're faced with all kinds of decisions you didn't think you'd ever have to make. It's impacting your job. It's impacting your kids, your school. Look, if there's, 
If there's anybody that needs prayer right now, I assure you it is people who are sending their kids to school or they're not. It's superintendents, the, the superintendent of the public school system in all of Austin literally reached out to a believer and said, please pray for me, pray for me. Look, guys, that's serious. There's so much going on. There's so much confusion. There's so much chaos and darkness and there's, and there's pestilence in the land. And here we are as the church and I'm, pray, I'm praying for you. In a moment, I'm just about to pray, pray, pray for healing, for God to use you, and for God to use Great Hills as we intervene in people's lives, that we would intersect with people's lives, okay? Dear God, we, we love you, we need you. Lord, we're praying in Jesus' name that, that the things that you did in Peter's life, God, you would do those things in our life. That, God, we would be bold to speak your name. We would be bold to get out of our comfort. Lord, Lord please forgive me. Lord, I, I know my greatest strength is always my greatest weakness. That my discipline will, will blind me to the needs around me. So please forgive me of that. Church family, do y'all have anything to confess to God? I'm just curious as I'm praying. Let me, let me give you a moment to do that. and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, there's some listening today and some right here, they need you. God, they need a healing. They need a, a supernatural touch from heaven. Lord, their marriages need it. Their finances, their businesses need it. And so, Lord, we're just praying in this sweet hour of prayer, Lord, where we are being transformed by the power and the energy of God himself. Lord, thank you for the preaching. Thank you, Lord, for the praising. But maybe today, Lord, thank you more than anything for the praying, the praying that is going on right now, right here, as we're praying for one another and as we're praying prayers of confession, penitentiary prayers, forgive us, O God, of our sins, for our neglect, for our omissions. And now, Lord, I want to pray that you would bring people in our path this very week. Lord, as we move out into restaurants, uh, as we move out into our neighborhoods, as we may go out to eat or go over to a friend's house, and Lord, I know we have our mask on, and it's just so strange, it's so weird, but God, help us. Help us to not miss an opportunity this very week to pray with somebody to speak the name of Jesus over them. Lord, I'm excited. I, I think there's gonna be some wonderful miracles that will happen. Lord, would you raise bulls from the dead? Hallelujah. Lord, would you do something, something so conspicuous, so powerful that we will come back next Sunday and go, ooh, let me tell you, God, God used me. God worked in my life. God blessed my marriage. He blessed my finances. I mean, he, he blessed the person that I was praying for. Praise the Lord. Oh, God, that is my, that is my prayer.
In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.